Welcome everyone to Overcome Podcast. Uh, today, in today's episode, I'm going to talk with a strong man, a f friend of mine here from Texas, Austin Hay. Thank you very much for being in the show today, Austin. Yeah, thanks for having me, Yuri. All right, my friends. Uh, I would like to start this conversation because the main topic of, uh, of this podcast is Overcome. And a lot of the athletes that I interview, it, usually there is a, a story behind overcoming obstacles and injuries and things like that. And uh, I know a little bit about your, your background, uh, and I know that you had a, a big uh, injury um, that you had to have surgery back in 2014. And uh, I remember reading something that you wrote uh, back in 2017 when uh, that you were still struggling mentally to pass that fear of re-injury. So first of all, how that did that injury happen? And um, fast forward now, do you already feel uh, that you you fully back or do you still struggling with those feelings? Okay. Well, you know, I think the injury originated back in 2012 when I was... Um, or maybe in 2011 when I was in a car wreck. Um, I was hit from behind at a stoplight and um, had some bulging discs from that. I, you know, um, foolishly enough, I when I was hit, it was actually a back day at the gym. And so I was like, <laughs> well, I was just in a car wreck, but I still need to go to the gym. And, and so that, that day after work, I actually had to go into work. Uh, I was on my way to work and had to show up at work after the car wreck. Um, I was pretty miserable, but after that, I, I went to the gym and uh, tried to, you know, go heavy on deadlift and ended up, you know, slipping a couple discs oh. doing that because my back was so tight. So that is I, very unique. You just went through a car accident and you went and went straight to deadlift. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> not it, it's not uh, not something you should ever do or really uh, look at as like inspirational. That was just being dumb. <laughs> But, you know, I was 22 at the time, or uh, 23. That was pretty dumb to go in the gym right after car wreck. Um, and that kind of led to a series of uh, chronic back problems where I was slipping discs on and off, um, you know, probably for the next two or three years. I would That would be an issue where the discs would just kind of pop out of place. And I'd, you know, go back to the chiropractor and get all these treatments and still... It dealt with, you know, the, the disc slipping. And then eventually, in 2014, I was in the gym uh, going pretty heavy. I had just pulled um, 675 for a set of three and then was doing a back down set of 655 for five. And on my, I think, fourth or fifth rep, the disc actually ruptured in my lower back. It was between L4 and S1 or L5S1, um, and so I immediately, like, knew it was real bad when it happened because it it's a crippling pain if you've ever had, you know, uh, any kind of sciatic nerve pain in your back that's caused by a bulging disc or a ruptured disc. It kind of puts you on your, uh, your knees real quick, and so um, that started me down the road of, you know, trying to get it uh, fixed where I, I went to a, yeah, a back doctor that got me on, uh, cortisone shots and I did I had to do cortisone shots for so many months before they would look at um, doing back surgery and after I finished about six months worth of treatment 
or it may have been four months worth of treatment. There was still no progress. I still had, you know, all of the residual sciatic nerve pain and couldn't, you know, mm-hmm. use my left side very well, uh, at least from the waist, waist down. Um, I got approved for surgery and went in the day after Christmas on 2000, in 2014 for uh, a microdiscectomy where they went in and they shaved off that part of the disc that uh, had ruptured out and was pressing on the nerve. And from that, you know, I was um, bed, uh, not bedridden, but couldn't be on my feet for the next six weeks. I was supposed to just recover pretty hard. And um, after that, you know, the doctor cleared me uh, to do whatever I wanted. I was like, are you sure I can do whatever I want? And he said, sure, you know, uh, go deadlift if you want to deadlift. So, you know, it was, I guess, February. Um, Yeah, it's in February. I, you know, just went to the gym, put, you know, warmed up to 315 on deadlift and did a set of 10 on it and thought I was going to die because I was so uh, out of shape, but also just real weak. Um, but everything came back real quick. Um, that in April, I ended up deadlifting, I think it was like 795 on a tire deadlift in a competition, and it was the most I had ever pulled from on that particular implement. So the bounce back was real quick, you know, cause that muscle memory is there. Uh, but I still struggled with, um, you know, nerve pain here and there and, and this still slipped. Yeah. In. But the, the main point that you said is that you were mentally struggling because you were afraid to re injury. So you, you had that yeah. mental blocker. Um, yeah, it, yeah, and that and that's something that anytime I would deadlift, um, I, it would get real tight back there, and it still gets tight, uh, you know, because there's a lot of scar tissue in my lower back from the surgery, um, and so that's a mental barrier that I, or, or a discomfort I have to get comfortable with, um, because it's something that I feel every time I deadlift, and then when I go real heavy, I mean, it actually hurts, um, but it's not like an injured hurt; it's like this is a real old injury and, you know, just be aware of that. So, um, so in the, in the beginning, were you trying to avoid go heavy, uh, just because you were feeling this, uh, mental blocker that you might injury again, or, or you didn't really care and you went heavy anyway? I initially I did, but I mean that my confidence, uh, was regained pretty quickly. It wasn't until I started approaching, numbers that were like at or above my old max and deadlift um, or you know if I was going really heavy on a yoke carry where you feel a lot of pressure in your lower back those th- those kind of things scared me but after you do them you, you, after you go up to that line and you know nothing happens you push it a little bit further and a little bit further and then you got used and, to it and then you get used to it exactly and you know I was just reassured constantly by my doctor and then other people that have been through the same thing that is that's if you exercise proper form if you get your core strong then you're not going to have to worry about it again so i had to really clean up my form you know i had issues with a lot of rounding in my lower back and that si joint you know just kind of amateur form on deadlift with a lot i think a lot of people struggle with and so I kind of um, got that nailed down to where there's very little bend in my lower back. You know, if anything's going to bend, it's my upper back, in which if it, if it bit your upper back bends, that's okay. There's 
there's a lot more play in your upper back than there is in your lower back, or it's a lot more safe to bend that under load. Mm-hmm. So, um, if moving forward seven years later, because that was 2014, so seven years later now, do you, when you look back, do you feel like you learn a lot from that time and you kind of feel there was actually a good thing that happens? Because a lot of people that had in- big injuries, many years later, they start to say, well, I actually think it was a good thing that happened to me because I learned a lot. So do you have that feeling or you, you still feel that it just slow you down? I, I don't think it really slows me down. Obviously, it slowed down progress and it's a lesson that I would have liked to learn an easier way. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I wish I could have avoided the injury, but I, I think it does give me uh, an outlet to talk to other people that have had similar injuries or that are dealing with back problems because that's, you know, bulging discs is probably one of the most common injuries in strongman. And so, you know, I've had the uh, opportunity to talk to a lot of people about um, getting their their back healthy and fixing the form so that they don't have to deal with, you know, a surgery like I did down the road. Um, you said that this is a common thing with uh, strongmen. So, you did you meet any like pro strongmen that had that issue before uh, on that level? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot more severely than I did. Um, I know Derek Poundstone. He, had, uh, I think he's had to have several fusions um, because he's had just just completely rupture in his back. I only had one. I think he had multiple. Um, you have so- you have one f- fusion. Uh, I didn't have a fusion. It was a disectomy. It was okay, a micro, yeah, yeah. micro disectomy where they just shaved off a portion of the okay. the, uh, the disc. But uh, he, he's got a full-blown uh, fusion. Uh, and I'm fortunate that I didn't have to go that route, that the doctor was able to save most of the uh, disc. Um, but, yeah, it, it is a common thing. And, and a lot of people, they just they know that um, it is common. You kind of accept that when you go into the sport. And because there are other people dealing with it, you figure out how to deal with it as well, how they rehabbed it, how they got back on their feet. Um, if you're talking to kind of the uh, normal average person, that would be something that could be life altering where they could be crippled for the rest of their life. But because, you know, me and other athletes uh, in my field are utilizing, you know, free weight training and and things like that, we're able to build our bodies back up and uh, build the muscles up in, in ways that support and protect those injuries uh, and, and prevent it from happening again. So what would be your advice to actually avoid this in the first place? Is this to focus on form, to focus on protection, like a tight belt? What, what do you do today to avoid this to, to happen, for example? Yeah, a lot of it's um, a lot of it's working on form. A lot of it's um, working on flexibility, you know, and mobility. Um, getting uh, all kinds of tune-ups from the chiropractor, whether that's uh, soft tissue work or um, Graston work done. Uh, Graston was something that I was introduced to shortly before my surgery to help break up scar tissue and. Um, I, I went ahead and invested in my own grass and tools because it's something that I use now to help, you know, break up that myofascia tissue and, and loosen everything up. Um, 
before big lifts. Um, and I, I and also taking time with warm ups. I mean, I used to go straight into heavy stuff and just push through it and kind of you know really <laughs> we all we all been there. Try to go straight yeah. to the heavy stuff. Yeah, and and be more aggressive than I should be. Um, to try and push through, you know, areas when I'm struggling, when my body's telling me, no, you need to take more time to warm up where, you know, I'm still too cold to do what you're wanting me to do. Um, so it is just a completely different shift in how you approach training. Um, unfortunately, it does tack on more time, but, you know, it's better to put that time in up front so you're not spending time on the couch recovering from yeah. injury that could put you off your feet for months. When you warm up, do you usually warm up just with like a light set or you do warm up with like bands, for example? Because a lot of people do warm up with bands, right? Yeah, I like to use bands, especially on upper body uh, to help get uh, rotator cuffs and delts all warm and uh, loosened up. Um, also like to use, you know, bands on... Uh, try and get like my hamstrings and my lower back firing good um one of the best things i've found though for like uh if i'm going to be hitting heavy deadlifts or to do some light box squats um hmm. just, you know practice being real explosive off the box um that was a uh, 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 exercise or warm-up uh that i picked up from josh bryant when i trained with him a couple years ago he was helping me uh prep for a big deadlift um, and that was one of the best things I, could, I picked up. Uh, for, but for do you do months. this uh, without weight or with uh, light weight? Well, with light weight, you know, the heaviest I might go is, you know, like 315, 225. It's, um, it just depends on what I'm going for that day. But the, the goal is speed. You know, you want to be fast. Explosion, right? Explosion. You don't want it to be a grinder. It should be something that activates the you know, the fast twitch muscle and gets your quads firing um, to help you, you know, get the weight moving off the floor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Um, how are you, and how did you adjust uh, during this whole uh, pandemic that we've been in 2020 and 2021? I've seen that uh, it looks like you competed recently. Mm -hmm. uh, how were you prepping for that during this uh, this pandemic? Or it didn't change that much your routine. I, you know, I didn't have too much of a a change in in my routine. Um, I I have a you know a gym in my garage at home uh, that has some of the strongman implements, and I've got plenty of weight there. So uh, when everything got shut down, I was still you know just training at home in my garage, and that's kind of the way I would have been doing it anyway if the, the gyms had been open um, just because I want to spend more time with my kids I got two little kids a uh, you know three-year-old he's soon to be four and then an 18 month old so time away from them is um, is kind of not really something I want to go for right now at least, mm -hmm. at least at this stage in life but also like at the end of 2019 um, I I got a heart test done it's called a calcium score and the results came back pretty bad um wow it showed that my calcium score was a lot higher than it should be for someone my age and that's due to you know plaque buildup in the arteries around my heart and so 
at the end of 2019, I was kind of reassessing whether or not I should continue doing this, um, at least on an elite level, because I'd, I'd received uh, an invite to the Amateur World Series uh, for 2020. I decided to go ahead and compete in that back in the uh, spring of 2020. Uh, they had it there at the uh, Arnold Sports Festival in Columbus. Um, it was kind of a weird show because only athletes were allowed to be there. Like, they, I don't think they let any kind of family members or coaches in. It was just athletes, and we all were competing together. Um, but I finished that show and, and kind of stepped back just to really focus on uh, longevity and heart health um, because, you know, as you know, being in this in this realm, there's a lot of seemingly healthy young guys that just kind of drop dead. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't want to be in that. Well, for why did you do this test in the first place? Were you feeling anything or it was just like a routine test? Well, so one of my uh, best friends, um, he actually had a heart attack and he's in his early 40s. I think he was 41 at the time. And he had the heart attack, I think, in 2000. Is he in 2018 or 19? Because I soon, I got the test done soon after he it, he got it. He had his heart attack, and I was like, you know, we've got similar lifestyles. I need, you know, you're just, a, you know, 10 years older than me. I need to to figure out if I'm okay too. And sure enough, I got the same. I got a test done. You know, that that shows the, you know, uh, the calcium buildup around the arteries. Uh, by my heart and it showed that I, you know, I was actually on the pathway to an early heart attack, which is pretty know, that's scary. That's it's scary. scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so it makes you reassess, uh, your diet, you know, the things you're putting in your body and the way you're training. And, and so my, after I finished the Arnold in the spring of 2020, I kind of stepped back from competing and, uh, just really focused on, um, doing all of this in a healthy way. And so that means <clears throat> monitoring uh, blood pressure and cholesterol. Those are the big ones. Because um, <clears throat> I wasn't doing anything to, to mitigate any kind of increases in my cholesterol levels. Because they were historically really high. The, you know, the bad cholesterol was really high. Good cholesterol was like next to nothing. And so that's what caused all the buildup, um, you know, in the arteries. Um, but I... Um, after kind of stepping back, you know, I kind of thought to myself, you know, I really miss competing. Um, and I'd like to still compete. I may not be able to compete on the same level just because I can't, you know, eat the same way that I was when I'm competing, you know, because I have to be conscious of my cholesterol levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I can't put anything in my body that's going to raise those levels or raise blood pressure either so my focus then just kind of turned on get you know doing this in a healthy way that I can ensure that I'm not doing any additional damage and so the contest I just did last weekend I did that on like four weeks notice I um, they kind of had a, a low athlete enrollment on it it was set to be probably the heaviest contest here in Texas this year um, I really wanted to do it, but I didn't think my body was ready for it because I had just been doing kind of maintenance stuff. I hadn't yep. been training heavy. Or I hadn't been training any of the events either. But I decided to throw my hat in it just because, you know, I wanted to be there to support, you know, my friends that were putting on the contest as well as, you know, get to catch up with other athletes that I hadn't seen in a while. 
Um, so and how, how was? Up. How did you do? Uh, I think he ended up fourth uh, by half a point, which I'm kind of annoyed about that <laughs> I didn't at least make podium. But I, you know, I was kind of impressed with, um, or at least satisfied with my performance on such low notice, and with, you know my i guess health being at the forefront of all my training yeah um, of course that was a pretty good result uh and uh when you say half a point it's like the the there is no weight division right in strongman it's like what, everyone together right no there's there's uh several different weight divisions um oh really so I'm in the, yeah i'm in the middleweight division and that goes up 231 pounds which is 105 kilos and then anything above that is considered heavyweight and depending on the contest, they may break heavyweights into subclasses. But um, I I stick out in the um, just in the middleweight class. I used to compete as a, a heavyweight just because I thought it was more fun to, to tango with the big guys and, and I could actually do it. But now you know I I, I think I do better in the middleweights than I do with with the big guys. So you actually drop weight uh, after the Arnold. A little bit. I mean, I, I hover in the probably 240s, mid-240s without without much effort. So um, even, even with, with your diet change and everything, you were you still able to maintain the weight? That's, that's very, pretty impressive because... Uh... Well, you know, I, I had been up to 275 pounds uh, as recently as probably 2015 or 16. And then I started cutting down and... Uh, wanting to compete in the middleweight class because I, I just couldn't hang with the big guys anymore. Um, they, they were just too statically strong for me to keep up with. I could keep up with them on moving events. Like if you give me a medley to do with them, I could usually beat them just because I was quicker on my feet. But if you're talking about static strength overhead and stuff, there's no way I could keep up with those guys. So I decided to drop some weight. And a lot of it was water and fat. I mean, you can you can peel back you know that water and fat layer and you know lose a lot of weight and and i did i was able to lean up uh, pretty easily and that was just a matter of you know decreasing my rest sets adding more reps uh you know cutting out some of the junk food eating less and it all just kind of came off quickly i'm still fairly young to where my metabolism works good and I'll oh, have to. What is your your uh, food intake now in calories? It's like three thousand. Uh, oh, I, I have no clue. Oh, you, you don't been, even count that? No, I don't. I, I probably should. I, you know, I should definitely measure it. But like, I I've been doing it for so long. I've been lifting for so long, and and I guess dieting, doing meal prep for so long that I just know what I need to eat to get to where I need to go, mm. uh, or to get the body composition I need. It's it works for me it's not it's probably not the right way to do it but it's um it's just something i figured out internally yeah no yeah it's interesting because uh you know at least for me if i'm not measuring i i have no idea where i am i mean i've been doing for a long time but still i like to just to to play around you know drop 100 grams of carbs here and then you know measure Uh, it it works well yeah, well, you know, with strongman, you have to, and powerlifting's the same way. You have to have a more carb dense diet, just because you have to, right? You know, have those glycogen levels high to recruit the muscles the way that they need to, and work them the way they need to work. Um, 
So now with with this extra concern about heart uh, heart health and everything, did you start incorporating some uh, cardio in your routine? Yeah, um, I, I started doing uh, some more treadmill, but I think the biggest thing was probably some agility work, which uh, it, it is a lot of stuff that just keeps your heart rate your heart rate high. So like the agility ladder. Um, jump rope and then doing sprints uh, once a week I try and get out and do um, eight rounds of sprints I think I'm probably running 50 yards per sprint um, that's that sounds like uh, Josh Bryan's program <laughs> it, it probably is we, we we think on the same meathead brain you know brain wavelength but uh, it's it's not like I, I'd like to get into running um, or at least jogging, just because I, I think it would be even better for me. But just uh, getting out and doing just the sprints is a lot more than what I was doing before and a lot more than what a lot of other athletes in similar situations are doing because, you know, they're just focused on lifting weights and not really working on the cardio aspect of things. Yeah, but the running is, is something that I, I talked to Josh about that as well. At least for heavy guys, it's it's very tough on the knees. Uh, so yeah. if you don't have knee problem, it's, it's okay. But for people that are heavy and they have uh, knee problems, it's it's pretty aggressive on the knees. Yeah, no, I definitely feel it because I'm flat footed and I I'm in the two forties. So you know, and the shoes that I wear are cross trainers, so they don't have a big sole on them. I need to get some uh, actual running shoes with more cushion in them because that would help save my shins and my knees whenever I'm, I am doing sprints, but, um, you know, it, it's right now it's working for me. I'm enjoying it. You know, when I get to, I used to dread those days when I'd have to get out there and do sprints, but now it's kind of refreshing. because I know after I finish that the next day, you know, my legs are going to feel real fresh, you know, because I, I'll typically do that after a leg training session like the day after and so I've, I've got a little bit of soreness and stiff, stiffness going into it mm -hmm. but then after I'm done you know it's kind of all that's cleared out uh, going back a little bit uh, uh, for the for the surgery in 2014 um, mm -hmm. how long was uh, your recovery from the standpoint of not being able to train so you had a surgery and you were out without training for like three months four months uh, it was about six weeks. Um, that was that was really fast. Or, or it may have been eight weeks. It was six or eight weeks. It was, it was very short. Um, but um, while I was waiting, you know, and, and as soon as the pain stopped, because like the first 72 hours after the surgery is probably the most pain I've ever been in my life after all the pain meds wear off that you get from the hospital. Um, I just did a bunch of body weight stuff. So push-ups, air squats, you know, whatever I could. Um, and I was working from home during that time because I couldn't get in the car and drive. So, you know, I had plenty of time to, you know, do that, that kind of body weight work while I was, um, you know, at the house. But during those eight weeks, there was, there were any uh, point in time that you were like not feeling well because you were not able to train and, and knowing you you always want to lift heavy and everything did you have those moments of frustration and and 
you know, uh, going to that place where you are like, wow, why did this happen to me? Things like that. You know, I don't think that I did. I, I don't, re I can't remember a time when I was kind of low on myself like that. I, um, you know, I, I knew that, um, taking time off is what I needed. And I knew that it, the muscle would come back quickly because that's just how it works. Um, and if I was smart with my recovery, you know, I could come back bigger and better than ever. Um, and, and I just kind of kept that in mind if, yeah, it was hard to kind of see yourself kind of wasting away in the mirror. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, your, your clothes aren't fitting the way they were before because yeah. you lose the mass and, and all that stuff. But, you know, I think you just have to get over that and uh, keep a long-term perspective in mind that, you know, this is just temporary, almost acting like I'm, I'm sick right now. Right, right. You know, I'm not, I'm not completely healthy. And, and it's, as soon as you kind of accept that, then I think that's how you get to the next step. What about, I, what about the return? Because that, that, that was, okay, that's a good mindset to be when you are on that place. But then you go back to, to lift And now your numbers are way far from what you used to live. So now it's more a patience. Like you need to be patient to uh, get back up. But uh, I'm pretty sure that at the beginning you felt a bit frustrated. As you said, you were almost dying doing deadlift with 315. Yeah. I, I think it was a little bit frustrating, but I've always kind of enjoyed the pursuit of those goals and the rebuild because whenever you train hard and, and you know this uh, from years of physical training too, that you take time off, like you have a, an off season where you're not, you know, trying to ramp up your, your, uh, your numbers. You're not trying to put on a bunch of weight. Um, and I, I look forward to those seasons when you come out of those, those off periods, those off cycles, whatever you want to call them. And you're starting at kind of a, a new baseline mm -hmm. and just see how fast I can build back up to where I was and then go above that. Yeah. I've always, I've always enjoyed that because you know, it almost feels like the first time, uh, or the, the newbie, uh, gains that you get whenever you first start lifting in the gym, you know, mm -hmm. as a teenager, whatever, you just kind of blow up quickly. It, it feels like that over again to me. And so I've always kind of enjoyed coming or starting on, you know, a new training cycle and having a baseline and being able to see progress. progress every yeah. day. It's not obviously progress in a direction that's higher than I've ever been, but that's, that's just the way I think physical training should work. You can't always be redlining your body. You can't always be in peak physical shape year round. You're going to have to take time off. You're going to have to change things up and then come back at it at a lower level than where you left off, but you're gonna, you'll get back there. It just, it takes time and you gotta put in the work. But do you think that this happens also with like pro athletes? Like for example, Brian Sean, he will also go through those uh, moments of uh, up and down because it, it almost feels like they are always on, on, on peak performance, right? Yeah, um, I, I think he certainly does have those uh, peaks and valleys in his training I'm, as far as the mental aspect of it goes I know he's a very calculated person and he's more concerned about the 
probably the science behind his performance and not necessarily how he's feeling. Um, whereas most people, I think, are, are going to be more emotionally driven or driven by what's in the mirror. Yeah, I know he's a. I know him and a lot of other uh, pro athletes are more calculated in their approach. So I, I don't think that weighs into as much of his training as it does to other people. You know, he's going to be working off a percentage when he starts prepping for World's Strongest Man. You know, he knows that he's going to have to do his sets at this percentage level this week, and then the next week it's going to be this and this and this, and then it'll eventually get him to where he's peaked for contest. Um, he's not going to be someone that's always increasing his numbers. His yeah. yeah, he's not always going to be increasing those numbers. He's going to he's going to increase those, and he's going to set PRs in contest, and that's the way most real pros are going to do it is they're going to wait to perform when it counts and not in the gym or at a random time it's going to be saving it up for when it matters most did did it happen to you as well that your prs were always in competition time rather than in training no no i <laughs> i uh i I've, i i think i've matured a lot in in that prep or in that aspect because you know the week before contests i used to max out just because I would be, my body would be peaked mm. and I would feel really good. And so I would hit some sort of PR and then I'd go into contest and I'd, I'd do okay. You know, sometimes I'd win. Sometimes but you I'd did not win. do as okay as your PR, right? Well, it would be a PR in something unrelated. Oh, okay. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, it's not the way you should be prepping. Like the, the week before contest, you should be deloading, letting your body rest. But, you know, I was you know, stupid with it. I was feeling good. I was feeling aggressive. And so I would, you know, dive headlong into some sort of ridiculous PR that I wanted to attempt that week. But now, you know, I do try and save those PRs for contests. Like <clears throat> when I was prepping for the Arnold last spring, we had a deadlift medley. And this is probably the most daunting event for me when I was looking at the events is you had to do an axle deadlift, so you use a two-inch thick axle bar. Uh, they had 620 pounds on it, so you got to lift that three times. And then you had to go to a power bar, which is one that doesn't have any bend in it, and do 650 pounds for three or for as many reps as possible within a time frame of one minute. So when I was prepping for that, the last heavy week that I had in prep I missed like all my lifts for that and um, I, I, I forget what the weights were but they, they were they're fairly heavy I think on the axle deadlift I was supposed to do 600 for you know for a couple reps and then on the power bar deadlift I was supposed to do I think like 620 or something for some reps and I missed it um, I, I think I may have gotten a couple on the axle didn't get any on the power bar and then I had my deload week in between. And uh, and then I show up to contest day and I pulled six reps total, three on the axle, three on the power bar. Never done that before. <laughs> um, but I had to reassure myself that, you know, you've done the training, the muscle's there for you to recruit. You just need to commit to the lift. And so when I got out on the floor you know, getting ready to lift, I kind of had to reassure myself over and over again, like, you put in the work, the strength's there, you just need to do it. 
Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's something that's always held me back in competition is not having that mental fortitude to be able to kind of go through my checklist and say, you put in the work, you did this lift here, so you should be able to perform at this level. That Now just do it. Yeah, because it's interesting. Uh, one will think that when you put a PR in contest time, you are so used to that weight because you've done that weight many times before. But what you're saying is that usually it's not how that works, right? Elite athletes will pick at the contest and they will PR at the contest. Yeah. And with with something like that, you know, with a deadlift um, event like that, I, I probably wouldn't be touching contest weight because it is so heavy uh, until you know I was actually at contest. I would always be going below it. But on some of the other events, like if you're looking at like a, a keg toss medley or something like that, it would make sense to go heavier than what's in the event just so you can train on the explosive aspect of that movement, being able to throw a heavier keg over the bar than you're actually going to be throwing in contest. Um, it, it recruits a whole lot less. It puts a whole lot of stress on your body, too. You're not having to, you know, sacrifice your central nervous system throwing kegs like you would if you're having to train deadlifts super heavy. Um, Do you think the same applies for the stones? If you, you, you train with the stones that are the same weight as the competition? Yeah, and, and you kind of have to with stones because you don't, they don't have stones like for all different weights and sizes. They're just kind of generally like, well, here's your 400 pound stone. Here's a 350 pound stone. Here's a 275 pound stone. There's nothing in between. You just, that's what you got to work with. You know, it's not like dumbbells where you can have five pound increments or whatever you, um, well, but you do have the sand, the, 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 those sandbags that can kind of simulate the stone, right? Um, are you talking about like simulating in a commercial gym or no? It's at home, like you have a sandbag that you could simulate the movement of putting the stone in place. That's what I'm saying. Training with uh... oh, yeah. Um, I like to get my hands on the actual stones because trying to simulate the movement just isn't the same. Because you could simulate it using a sandbag or you know some weight plates if you're grabbing the weight plates around like both the round way or whatever. But it's not the same as putting your your hands on the actual stones. So like if I'm prepping for a contest that has stones, I'll go to a gym, you know, several times throughout my prep just to train the stones. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are plenty of gyms in the DFW area that have stones, so that's not hard for me to come by. You know, uh, it's just I don't have room in my garage for you know a full set of Atlas stones. Yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't train them often enough to justify having those laying around either. On this last competition, did you guys have stones there too? No, no stones. Um, we had a max axle clean and press, um, a max axle deadlift, a keg load medley, a sandbag medley, and then a tire flip for for time, I guess. I saw that tire, man. How, how heavy was that tire? It was gigantic. It was, yeah, it was big, but the, they had 660 marked on the tire, so it wasn't super heavy. I, you know, I've had to do heavier tires in contest. Um, they switched it out last minute because I think they were worried about not enough people completing the event because it er- was originally supposed to be an 800-pound tire. Um, wow. Which is 
which is more along the lines of like a normal tire weight for a competition of that level for the middleweight class. Like when you get into, like if you're talking about heavyweights, they would be doing a 900 or a thousand pound tire, but they, they're doing the 800 pound tire because, um, you know, we didn't do it. Um, so that yeah. that one was 600 pounds. It was 660, I think, is, is what was written on the tire. Um, tire flip's always been kind of uh, one that makes me nervous because I tore my left bicep partially uh, doing a tire flip in contest back in 2015, I think. Um, I was flipping like an 800-pound tire, and, you know, I had been sweating all day because the contest was outside and it was in the middle of the summer and I was just real dehydrated uh, went to flip it and I felt you know my bicep pop Ooh. and uh, you know I flipped another tire and then I just called it because I didn't want to you know completely tear it all the way through but so uh, you didn't have to do any surgery on this one no you know the bicep uh, you can see where it tore but it wasn't a complete you know complete tear where it rolled up mm -hmm. my arm completely but enough to scare me so that anytime I do do uh, tire flip somewhere in you know elbow sleeves and to try and keep that protected as best I can and then you know using more uh, driving my shoulders into the tire more and not lifting as much with my biceps um, as usually happens but um yeah, it's it's one of those ones that always kind of makes me nervous now. And I had practiced it once before this competition, uh, and you know I didn't really push it that hard. And then when I went to compete, you know that was kind of the second time I touched a tire in probably two years. Maybe. Wow! Yeah. So so you, during those four weeks that you prep, you didn't prep with tire at all. I just one time I went up to the gym just to kind of feel it out um, and got in two laps with it and but it was it was not as heavy right no i think it was 600 pounds um and it was it was a smaller tire but um i wanted to go a little bit heavier because i knew the tire the tire was supposed to be 800 pounds i wanted to go heavier but i was just not feeling it that day because i had trained uh sandbags before that and that had kind of taken it out of me but you know it I was okay, you know, at least finishing the event like I did uh, in contest. I could have gone a lot faster, but um, I, you know, I was just so uh, worried about the bicep that I was, you know, yeah. took my time with it. Yeah, but it was it was really good. I saw that video. And uh, any any plans for other competition this year, or are you gonna give a break? Um, yeah, I'm thinking about doing. Um, I think it's called the Invictus at the Europa. It's a different um, strongman organization that puts that one on. The one I, I did uh, this past weekend was through North American Strongman uh, Corporation or Strongman Corp. And then this one's for the United States uh, Strongman. Um, they're just like IPF versus USAPL. Like mm -hmm. you just have different organizers. Um, so I'm thinking about doing that one because I've got some family that's doing that one. I think it'd be fun to do. So that uh, one is July, right? Uh, yeah, it's June or July. I can't remember which one, but I'll I'll start prepping for that kind of now, I guess. Uh, just real light, not not going too crazy with it. Um, 
as far as that goes, I, I haven't put anything else on the calendar. I'd like to do one or two more, but, um, you know, I haven't committed to anything yet. Oh, that's cool, man. I, I'm really happy that you were able to uh, take, the, take the time to heal yourself to get better uh, uh, with with your heart and everything and you are able to compete on this level you know doing uh, a, a more light and healthy prep uh, and, and enjoying the lifestyle uh, you naturally is a strong man right I mean it's something that uh, is in you so it's good to see that uh, you continue to make progress um, even after changing the, the whole uh, diet and everything Yeah, I, I don't know if it's progress in, in terms of strength, but certainly progress in terms of health. Um, and, you know, heart health isn't one of those things that you can uh, get over like a, a repair like you can a uh, torn torn muscle. Yeah. Uh, it's something you have to kind of keep in mind the rest of your life. Uh, so it, it's, it's not... It's not uh, over and done with. You know, I still need to get another test done to see if some of the things that I did this past year um, helped alleviate some of the buildup. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure when I'm going to get that test done, but that's that's kind of the next uh, milestone to me to be able to measure progress to see if I've actually been able to do any kind of impact there and on it. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, all right, my friend. So I think uh, we it was a great uh, conversation. Got some insights from you. Is is actually the first time that I have like a strong man uh, on the show. I mean, I, I interview uh, uh, Greg Thumper uh, that he used to do a strong man in the past, uh, but um, I think you are the first one. I try. I actually talked to Brian Shaw uh, to to be on the show, but during the time that I talked to him, he was uh, extremely busy. Uh, he was doing some other business. He has uh, a lot of things going on in his life yeah. right now. Uh, so he said that he he will come uh, later on uh, at some point. But uh, it's good to to have you here. I saw you competing, and I was like, man, I, I need to talk to to Austin to get some updates. Yeah. Well, thanks. I really appreciate you uh, having me on your show, uh, especially with some of the prestigious guests you've had beforehand. Uh, Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Keep keep killing it and uh, keep us updated on, on your progress. Uh, very inspiring, as usual. Thank you, Yuri. All right. Take care and see you all next time.